Hello, and welcome to the Rough Edges podcast with Sarah I. Fox. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create an empowering resource for those who wish to discover more about these topics. I pray that this podcast will not only bless you, but that it will bring growth and healing to our communities. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Karen Liddell. Dr. Karen Liddell is a licensed clinical pastoral counselor, ordained minister, best-selling author, and international speaker. She's made it her mission to demonstrate how to live a life of joy by following the biblical instructions to take every thought captive and retrain them to agree with every good thing that God says about you and has for you. She's a preacher's kid who was lost in New Age occult practices while searching for a meaningful and powerful relationship with God. It was only after a devastating abortion that she opened her heart to the only one who could love her the way that she had longed for. God led her to complete her PhD in Christian counseling and then to discover everything she knew about the scientific brain retraining, which was coded in his word. Welcome, Dr. Karen. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's such a joy to be here with you. Yes, I am so excited to have you here and for our conversation today. But before we get into our topic, I want to know, like, since at the time of this recording, it's the new year, it's the second day of the new year. So what are three things that you are expecting for this year? Oh, my gosh, I am expecting you. You're hitting me with a surprise question, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm expecting to drink more water. I'm expecting to feel better emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I'm expecting great changes because I know the plans God has for me, and they're always to help me, never to harm me, and to give me a prosperous future and hope. Jeremiah 29 11. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that is one of my, my favorite verses in the Bible. So, like, The fact that you have that as like a guiding force for this year, I'm like, ah, you're already set up for success, in my opinion. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Dr. Karen, I really like appreciate just like your mental health journey and how you're able to integrate like spirituality into your practices. So can you tell me a little bit more about your own mental health journey? Sure. Uh, So I grew up with a mom who was depressed and was also suffering from alcohol abuse. And it turned out later that she had MS, multiple sclerosis, and she was really self-medicating. But as a result, I did have some of that kind of modeling of how to handle um, stress and how to cope. And I was in a very difficult marriage. I was married to somebody who really was clinically narcissistic. And as you may know, they tend to exert more and more control over your life. And you tend to develop just a feeling of powerlessness and helplessness and hopelessness. And I reached a point where I was in deep depression. 
And I didn't really recognize it as depression because it manifested more as chronic fatigue and pain. And so I just had a really hard time getting out of my bed. So I did, I homeschooled my kids. I even homeschooled them sitting on the bed because I was so tired and I was so filled with anxiety of just that, that constantly worrying about when's the shoe going to drop that Mm. that's all I felt all day long was a constant sense of anxiety. Wow. Yeah. I can imagine like how hard that must've been, um, especially with you having to navigate, like not only your own mental health, but just like, you know, taking care of your kids and like making sure like, you know, homeschooling is getting done and everything. And so that must've been like very difficult to balance. So I can imagine that. Thank you. It was. And, you know, I think a lot of us who have struggled with mental health in any way, we become really good at putting on that happy face and being there for everybody and not wanting to share because we feel a sense of shame about admitting that we're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And like, I also appreciate how like you're, you're giving like an honest portrayal of it. Whereas like a lot of times, like when we hear about mental health struggles, we don't really like talk about like the difficulties associated with it. And like you said, the fact that we're so like drawn to like just putting on that face and that mask. And I can imagine like how your faith was also like impacted by all of that. So can you tell me like, what was your faith journey like, like in the midst of all of that? Yeah, my faith was so important to me. And in the midst of this, I, I spent so much time in the Bible, reading, looking for verses, praying. And I, um, I kept asking God to change my husband and change my experience. And I can remember times just driving and listening to Christian music while I was driving and the kids weren't in the car and just crying and sobbing and just not wanting, just not knowing what to do and wanting God to provide a solution. And he finally did. And it wasn't the one I expected. Yeah. Like it never really is sometimes because like you could be praying for one thing and then God just answers, like he answers your prayer, but in a way that you don't really expect, which is very interesting for sure. (laughs) So kind of shifting gears a little bit here, but can you tell me like about your career, especially like in pastoral counseling, like what made you want to pursue a career in that field? I did not. It was not my idea. (laughs) So I had been, uh, before I was married, I had finished my master's degree in clinical counseling psychology, and I was working for a behavioral health facility inpatient. And I was really frustrated by um, just working with managed care, feeling like Mm -hmm. to get our patients and clients in, we had to make sure and exaggerate any symptoms or, you know, it just felt very dishonest in many ways. And um, I really didn't like having to diagnose clients because when their symptoms cleared up, they still were stuck carrying that diagnosis. And that can really follow people. And not only that, it contributes to this identity of that. That's my identity. I have this thing and that's who I am. So there were a lot of things about it I didn't want to continue to do. So at one point, I decided to finish my PhD, and I really wanted to go into biblical studies. I loved the Bible by this point, but I (laughs) prayed, and I asked God, what do you want me to do with my PhD? And he said directly into my ears, plain as day, don't you think there's a need for good Christian counselors? 
And I mm-hmm. just was like, well, <laughs> I'm sure there is, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> and so we had a little discussion and I said, I want this and I want that. And I want this other thing in place. And it was things like, I don't want to be licensed by a state agency. I want to be in a Christian organization. I want to be able to pray. I don't want to deal with insurance companies. Um, I want to be able to do it as ministry as well, but I want to get paid for it. And I said, all right, if you can figure all this out, I'll do it. That I think it was the same day. I pulled out my computer and you know how things just pop up. What popped up was the National Christian Counselors Association. Finish your PhD and be licensed as a Christian counselor. And I was, I literally pointed up and went, oh, you're good. You're so good. (laughs) Well, the great thing is, is God knows us better than we know us. And he knew that, A, he gifted me for it and that I would love doing it. And I do love doing it. So it never seems like a job to me. Wow, that is so beautiful. And I just love like the catalyst for you even saying like, okay, I'll do it. It's like, hey, God, I'm putting this on you. So if you make it work, then I'll go forward with that, which is something that we don't often do. You know, it's like we're so afraid to just give God like all the situations in our lives, you know, and Yeah, we like to do a lot of hand-holding, especially with, like, trying to, quote-unquote, help God out in our journey. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't always give that quick of an answer like that. That was very convenient. Yeah, but hey, it it actually showed that, like, your trust in him and your faith is, like, gonna, you know, power through and make some good results, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I really want to know about the brain retraining process because I feel like that's like the most important piece of like you know your work and like your um, mission to actually help people incorporate the bible into that process so can you explain like the process of retraining the brain and why do people need to do this process at all Absolutely. You know, the Bible is very clear in many different scriptures. I think that we take for granted things like um, uh, Romans uh, 12, 2, or is it Romans 2, 12? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind because everything starts in the mind. There are some steps we have to do within us before we can take spiritual authority. And then also uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it talks about that we are the ones who are responsible for taking every thought captive. So that told me our thoughts are under our jurisdiction. We're not at the mercy of our thoughts. We're not at the mercy of our feelings. We can actually do something about them. And then uh, in many places, um, in Philippians 4, 4, I believe it is, the Bible goes through a whole like procedure of forgetting things from the past. You have to, that's an intentional process. It's not like, well, I'm forgetting about it. We say we forget about it consciously, but if we don't rewire the emotions in the, that are holding on to the programs in our unconscious mind, they're still there and we're still reacting because of them. You know, we're having these knee-jerk reactions about things. We're getting upset or we're crying or I know what you meant by that. Yes, I do. You know, we're hearing what we expect to hear. So I, after I went to a uh, Bible college and after I went to seminary, then the Lord sent me into train more specific training in psychology with methods that are really about reconsolidating or changing your memory resources. 
And as I did so, I began making those connections or he began making those connections that this is what he's talking about, how you can literally forget the past and then intentionally think on these things, he says. He also says over and over in the Bible that whenever we're to pray, we're to pray with thanksgiving. So I started wondering, what's that Thanksgiving gratitude connection? Well, I began to do some research and there are just so many studies that show gratitude rewires your programs, rewires your brain. And when you focus on gratitude, especially writing out gratitude statements, it makes you feel differently. It makes you believe you are more loved. It makes you have more positive and optimistic thoughts. It really has a, a, an actual effect on your brain. It's, it's called neuroplasticity. And it just means that your brain can recover from trauma, emotional trauma, and physical trauma to your brain by rewiring and unlearning things that are not helping you and creating new learning programs for things that do help you. So I just kept researching both of these and discovering the process it begins with is in uh, the Psalms. Have you ever read any of the Psalms where David always starts out by complaining? Look yeah. what's going on in my life. And he gets into the whole thing, right? But then he moves on to saying, but this is what I know about God. And he starts telling the truth and saying, but I know God will do this. And I know God does this. And I know God does this. So he sets himself straight with the truth. He doesn't keep believing his problem is real. He goes, what do I know though? Then he moves into praise and thanksgiving. And I was like, that's brain retraining. So when I'm with my clients, of course, I do a whole bunch of different techniques and processes from multitudes of different techniques that I've learned, even talking to the brain and teaching your subconscious, even a list of instructions to follow. We are really finding that because we know language, um, our brain, our consciousness knows language too. And we can talk to ourselves and get our brains on board with what we want. It's just amazing. Mm, wow, that is incredible. And I just love that all of these things are just like founded in scripture. And it's not really like talked about enough. Because um, a lot of the times, like when you're having these psychological conversations, it's more of like, okay, here's the science behind it. But it's not really like incorporating the scriptural aspects of it. So I am curious to know, like, how did you discover that scripture plays a key role in retraining the brain? It was totally God-led. I am, I am not even kidding. He, he literally was, I have never heard from God so much in my life, like so clearly, where just thoughts dropped into my head that I knew were not me. And they were consistent with, with scripture. I, I know my master's voice. And where he said, you know, first go to this school, get this done. Then go and train in these different secular programs, Faster FT, FT, EMDR, Neurolinguistic Programming, Process Healing Method. Then he said, all right, you're done. I don't want you to stay in those systems. I want you to learn the methods and then come out from sitting under them is the way he said it. He's like, I don't want you to sit under those people because they weren't believers. They were teachers and they had good information, but they weren't believers. So they weren't a good system for me to stay in and really continue to be um, just mentored by. And so then he took, started taking me through the Bible and just showing me as I read the Bible from start to finish. And I, you know, I keep doing that. He would point things out to me and I would be like, oh, wow, 
But look at that Philippians 4, 4. That's the whole process. Look at Dave's doing the thing where Dr. Andrew Huberman, I just listened to him talk about when you rewire your brain, you have to focus super strongly on the problem. And it's kind of like you're opening all the filing cabinet drawers or all the files on your computer that have what's important. Well, what's important is the emotions, the, um, the thoughts you're having, the beliefs that those thoughts are based on. And then, of course, I already said emotions, but your emotions come from your thoughts, by the way. You want to change mm -hmm. how you feel, you just change your thoughts. And I play a little game with all of my clients to show them how quickly they can do it. Um, but also physically, our physical bodies are a manifestation of our mental experience. It, you know, over time we poison our body with toxic chemicals because of our toxic thoughts and that starts showing up. We've, we've seen many times that cancers are strongly associated with bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, if you have cancer, does that mean you're a bitter, unforgiving person? Not necessarily, but it, it there's a reason why God is telling us to forgive so much. It's not for him. It's for us. He knows mm. that when we have forgiven and we have released the emotional attachment to the outcome, we are free to really rationally deal with the situation. And we're free to deal with it from a place of his love. Mm. Wow. That is so interesting because you're right. Like the way that our like emotions and the way that we perceive the world is largely guided by our thought patterns and everything that, you know, we, we are going through internally. And it also kind of reminds me of cognitive behavioral therapy where yes. it's like, yeah, you're thinking your thoughts and then you're looking at, okay, how do these thoughts and beliefs kind of translate into my emotional state and how does that translate into my surroundings and, and your behavior? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's really amazing to also <laughs> see like scripture being like added to this because we need that element of spirituality. And I think that part kind of gets lost in all of like the mental health, the psychological and the emotional. Because when you take out that spiritual component, it kind of, I don't want to say it takes away the entire depth of the conversation, but it really just kind of loses that like deeper core of the person like yeah. you know so For yeah sure. I just appreciate that I'm so glad two more people are realizing that you know just as we now recognize our brain is our body right our nervous system goes all the way through our body so our brain's our body our body's our brain we have neurons in our gut we our immune system is through our whole body it's all connected there's also that third element there's the spiritual need Hello again. Before you dive into the rest of today's episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your support and for hitting that play button. If you want to expand on that support, here are three ways that you can do so. One, leave a review. If anything in today's episode resonated with you or you want to share how the podcast changed your life, you can do so by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Two, check out our shop. The Rough Edges Shop is a faith-based, women-of-color-owned online shop where you can get a variety of products from tote bags, journals, t-shirts, crewnecks, 
and more. 20% of the proceeds go to a mental health organization. So check it out at roughedgespodcast.com slash shop. Three, connect on social media. Rough Edges is on a variety of social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and more. If you want to connect outside of listening to the podcast episodes, you can do so on those platforms. If you have any more questions or want more information on the ways that I've just discussed, you can check out the episode description or stay to the end for more information. Now, enjoy your episode. David Wilson wrote an amazing book on prayer, and part of it was just different scientific studies that show that people who pray have huge health benefits because of it. So it's not just like your emotional health, but your financial health can change, your emotional health, your relationships change. Everything is helped by prayer, and it's not just meditation. Meditation is very useful too, but there's something mystical and magical about prayer. And of course, we as believers know that is because um, the Holy Spirit inhabits our prayers. Mm-hmm. So it, it's powerful. Yes, it is. It is so powerful. And it's just like, like you said, there are so many dimensions to like our humanity that we can't like treat one without the other, you know? Exactly. So I appreciate that. And you know, sometimes yeah. one is affecting the other. If you mm-hmm. have something wrong physically, we, we, there have even been cases of people who presented as being um, psychopaths or presented as having schizophrenia. And what they had was a, a strange strawberry allergy. Mm. So you can have, be having something going on with your body and it's altering, it's giving your brain biofeedback. It's altering your chemicals in your brain. Um, yeah. Food can affect that. De- um for anxiety and depression, exercise is one of the most effective treatments. So getting some movement, getting outside, getting fresh air, changing your visual input is is a key component of EMDR and EFT. So for example, if you're if you're thinking about a problem, that's when you're opening up the all the files and you're getting access to everything. You have to get access to what's in your mind so that you can change it. And then when you look left and right, Well, if you think about it, that's what you do when you're scanning for danger, right? You look around your surroundings, but of course, what you're discovering is you're perfectly safe. And that information actually infiltrates the memories that have your trauma and it dilutes them. Mm, Wow. That is so incredible. Because it's like, you could just change a lot of things, like if you really just go to the source of it, you know, because a lot of the times it's like, we kind of look surface level and we think, oh, I'm going through this or I'm feeling sad because, you know, oh, I'm just feeling sad. It's just like, no, you could be tired. You could be, you know, just so many other things along with that. And I just love that this process does that as well, you know? I do too. I love that point you made. I mean, sometimes I think a thought will pop up in my mind and I'll think, oh, I'm depressed. And I immediately say, what do you mean you're depressed? No, I think what you are is tired and you probably need to get a good night's rest. You know, are are you depressed or are you sad about something? What's going on? Are you just hangry? (laughs) So I always tell people, let's look at, there's four things that we can change whenever you're having 
something you don't want to have happen. And the first thing is physically, you can simply go get some movement, a nice long walk, praying. It can work wonders or getting a really good sweaty exercise. It's great for you. Um, emotionally asking yourself, what specifically am I feeling? Sometimes just note acknowledging it. You know what? I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. That can start the process or mentally saying, am I, am I, do I need to put some boundaries up? Do I need to reorganize my schedule? Am I overloading myself mentally? Am I not taking just some mental breaks in the middle of the day? And then there's spiritually, am I in my word? Am I praying? Am I doing what the Bible says to do? Am I really trusting God or am I saying that I do and then I keep on worrying about it? Yeah. Wow. I just love how you explain that because it's just the different dimensions of just like your self-care. That is something like that is so interesting. And I bet if like people just take the time to like just really analyze like, okay, it's not just, oh, I'm feeling sad, but it's just like what is happening to me physically, what is happening to me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, like, you know, and then kind of try to figure out the problem with all of these things that you're analyzing, that would actually make the process a whole lot better for you instead of like just looking at the surface. And so I want to ask, like, how has this process helped you and how have you seen it help others? It's dramatic. It's, it's truly life-changing. And I don't mean to be, um, you know, uh, dramatic about it. <laughs> but it's, it has made dramatic changes in my life. And it's so effective with my clients. It's fun to do because with the process I do, unlike um, talk therapy in which you tend to really reinforce the problem because you, you're, you're trying to talk somebody consciously into to figuring out unconscious problems, which doesn't mm -hmm. work. And it takes forever. So um, the ways it has helped me is it changed my finances. It changed my relationships. Uh, one of the first things that God told me actually was save yourself. When I was complaining about my husband and he, he told me, he said, the only person who can save you is you. He said, if you are going to wait for him to notice that you are dying inside, you're going to be dying for real physically because stress kills. And so that was my first step. I started with just doing five minutes of exercise. And when I realized I could do five minutes, I realized I could do more and I felt better about it. And then the next thing I did is I went on the attack spiritually too. I decided, you know what? The truth is that feeling of anxiety is no different than the physiological response we get from excitement or riding a roller coaster or having sex. It's all the same chemicals. And so I decided what I really felt was like energy for exercising and getting up and moving. So I would get up and I would march around my room and I would tell the devil, is that all you've got? Bring it. You know, I would be, I would say things like, you're giving me everything I need to feel better. You're giving me the motivation. Thank you. I appreciate it. I would just say stuff like that. And it started giving me a sense of power. And then the next thing I did is I went after those boundaries and I began taking a day off every week, like the Sabbath. 
And believe me, my husband at that time, who I was married to at that time, um, he was not happy about that because he loved having me at his beck and call. But mm-hmm. I knew that he wasn't going to give me a rest. He wasn't going to give me permission because it, that was not convenient for him. I was the only person who could set my own schedule and decide when I needed to rest. I mean, he didn't, right? The guys don't well, ask if it's okay for them to take a rest. If they're tired, they take a rest. <laughs> right. So I started setting up those boundaries. And it was through all of that, I began feeling better and better and better. I ended up losing 40 pounds. Wow. Yep. And um, I wrote a book about it. And for a while in Minnesota, at least, it was a bestseller. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just going to ask you about the book. So it's like, it's like you're seeing my notes now. I'm kidding. Um, but like, <laughs> well, what are some key takeaways like from your book it's brain retrain the how to renew your mind guide so what are some key takeaways so some of the things we've already talked about um the main the four kind of steps that's really important and this is really backed up by if you if you follow dr andrew huberman at all with the huberman lab he's a neuroscientist at stanford and he's one of my go-tos for me to understand what i'm learning scientifically Um, And he talks about back in Psalms, same thing, really focusing on what your problem is. So you have to identify it for yourself and for your brain to tag the neurons involved in the problem. And he says that your brain releases adrenaline and acetylcholine onto those neurons. So your neurons are physically going to move. So that's why I like to um, ask myself and have my clients ask questions like, what am I feeling? Um, What does this remind me of? Try to go back to the root. How familiar is this feeling? Who else do I feel this way with? Who does this always happen with? Because, you know, if we don't deal with the root memory, we just keep repeating it. You know, Mm -hmm. new problem, new pair of shoes. And when you really get a good picture of how it began, what it feels like, how it bothers you, what triggers you, what are the reasons then you can identify what do you want instead. So it's really important to identify what the real problem is. And then you start asking yourself, well, what's the opposite of this? What would I love to have? How would I like to feel? What would I like to believe? Most of our problems come back to the beliefs we developed as children, the first five years of life. And they're very commonly, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not loved. I don't belong. If they know the real me, they'll reject me. These are feelings that are so common for all of us. And, you know, I like how the Bible talks about perfect love driving out fear. I think there's only two emotions. I think we're either operating from love, like real love, not selfish love, not romantic physical love, but real love. I want the best for you. Whether that involves you being in my life or not, I want the best for you. Or fear. Like, I'm angry because I'm afraid I'm not going to get my way. Mm. I'm hurt because I'm afraid you don't care. Or I'm frustrated because I'm afraid it's not going to work out. Or I'm depressed because I'm afraid I have no control. All these things. So it's really important to give your brain a map of what you want instead of this. There's a scripture that talks about if you kick a demon out, 
and you clean up your house, but you don't put a new occupant in, he'll go get seven friends and come back. It's, Mm. I mean, that's literal. I think it is literally with demons, but it's also um, our mental health. If we get rid of all the junk, but we don't want put in what we want instead, your brain will just go back to the old wiring because that's what's convenient and easy. Your brain doesn't want to change. It wants to conserve energy and stay the same. So you have to make it easier by both identifying what you really want, including what do you want to believe? What do you want to feel? All of that. You have to practice those feelings and build that emotional bathing of those neurochemicals for that wiring to get really laid down. And there's one step in between there. And that is, remember, the truth. So if you realize, what am I believing? I feel like I'm not lovable. What do I want to believe? I am lovable. Well, what's the truth? God says he loves me so much. He gave his only begotten son so that I would be saved. He says, I'm the apple of his eye. He says, he loves me with a love that has no end. Mm. If you will choose to believe the Bible, you will receive all the love that you need. Mm, Wow. That was so beautiful. I just love like so many aspects of what you just said, because it's so true. It's like, We have to really just replace all those lies with the truth. And sometimes I'm not going to lie. It is the hardest thing to do because you're so used to believing these things. So used to like thinking these thought patterns and it's, it's very hard to like, kind of just, you know, try to believe the truth and like live in that too, you know? Yeah. And that is, you know, that's like a a law of physics right there. It's hard to get moving, but once you do get moving, it's a lot easier to stay in motion. So you made a really interesting point about thoughts because I don't know how, you know, much your listeners know about this, but the Bible's really clear that our enemy is not flesh and blood. And if you read um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, it talks about the armor of God and that our salvation, like holding on to our salvation and everything we know about it is like a helmet that will protect our thoughts from lies, it says. So who would be lying into our thoughts, right? So to me, and the fact that he talks so much about demons and there's never anything that says demons have been dealt with yet. So they must still be here. And demons I know cannot hear my thoughts, but they certainly can transplant thoughts. Because we've all had, you know, that voice in our head that is like, no, you know, you're so stupid. Nobody loves you. You're ugly. You're fat. You're whatever else that we tell ourselves, right? But sometimes I believe just because we have a thought doesn't mean it's our thought. And we don't have to accept thoughts as the truth. Because if it disagrees with God, according to Second Corinthians ten five, anything that disagrees with God is by definition a lie. I mean, in the mm-hmm. whole scheme of things, it's a flat out lie. So even if I agree that I look a certain way or that I said something dumb, even if I agree with that doesn't make it truth. It's still mm-hmm. a lie that it's my job to refute. For the Bible says, if you are submitted to God, and if you're not sure you are, just do it. Jesus, I submit to you. Please forgive me for my sins. I want you to lead my life. I recognize you're my path to salvation. Okay, submitted, done. Now I have the legal authority to resist the devil and tell him, devil, shut up. 
That is a lie in the name of Jesus Christ. I refuse that in the name of Jesus Christ. I am beloved. I am intelligent because I am made in the image of my creator. And whatever intelligence I have, I can do something with it. I mean, you have to really, and you have to speak out loud because they can't read your thoughts. So, and Mm -hmm. you know, sound is a weapon. It's literally a military weapon. And I believe that just like that nursery rhyme, you know, sticks and stones, well, words Mm -hmm. can hurt in many ways. And I believe when we praise God and we are thanking him, I believe that it makes demons run and cover their ears. (laughs) (laughs) So if I'm mad at the devil, I'm going to start praising Jesus and talking about his blood. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I really love, especially what you said about just like our fight is not against flesh and blood. And I think that is something I keep trying to remember myself because a lot of the times it's like, we're so quick to attack ourselves or attack other people, but it's really like just the spiritual nature and the spiritual warfare that is going on to try to like, just get you off track or to get you to stray as far away from God as possible. And so I love how you explained that even like the enemy, cause he, a lot of the times we try to give him a little bit more credit and power <laughs> than he actually has. <laughs> um, and I really love that you mentioned like the devil can't hear our thoughts because he's not omniscient. So he doesn't know what we're thinking. He doesn't know like, you know, where we're going to go next or the choices we're going to make. All his prerogative is to try to influence us to choosing wrong. And he did it from since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Like, he didn't know that Eve was going to, you know, believe him or not. He was just like, hey, let me just deceive this rolling the dice. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, so it's like the power and autonomy that we do have over our thoughts. And I think that we often underestimate the amount of power and authority that we have to really, like, take our own thoughts captive and really just speak truth and life to that, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to make sure I did with this latest book, Brain Retrain, is give people a step-by-step process because sometimes, you know, we can talk all about this, but then like when you're doing it yourself, like, I don't know what to do or say. So Mm -hmm. I start out kind of the first half of the book is my story, just because I feel like people don't really care what you have to say unless they care about what, that you've been through stuff like they've been through stuff. And I try, and I'm very, very open. very, very transparent in this book. I just felt like it was really important to do that. And then I go into the science because I do want people to understand. There are those of us like me who are like, you know, show me the science, show me the money. I want to know. And then I go into the scripture as well. And then I tie it all together and finish up with a, it's like a 20 step process and that you can just do. I mean, I really broke it down that you can just follow along with like step one, um, pray, you know, step two, what's the name, the problem, step three. I, I just wanted to make it so easy that you could literally read the steps in the book and do it. And then you would feel some changes happen. You might literally feel things in your body because, uh, when your nervous system is firing off and you're changing these neurons, they're moving. So a lot of people really feel like tingling sensations or itchy feelings on their skin or feel uh, parts of their body all of a sudden feel uncomfortable. 
which is great because I have a great kinesiology chart that I can go, oh, your left arm is hurting. Well, according to this, that's connected to this center and this could be these emotions. And people are like astounded by it. But your mind and your body and your spirit, we're we're all housed in this one being. So everything is connected. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That is just so enlightening. And I know that we could talk for hours, but <laughs> Dr. Karen, I have one final question before we wrap up. Okay. What advice or words of encouragement do you have for those who are struggling to manage their mental health? Wow. My, my advice is do not give up. Uh, look at those four aspects. What can I do for myself? How can I save myself? We, we all have a part to play. It might be for some of you that medication is necessary. And, and I know you all will really look into the side effects and the interactions and all that. Sometimes we need a temporary or longer push to get us in a state where we can benefit from the therapy, et cetera. I also really encourage you to get out there and get physical exercise, whatever you can do. You know, again, I'm not your doctor and I, I'm not prescribing anything to you, but get some physical exercise, even if it's chair yoga, um, really start getting clear about your emotions and what you want. Start writing some lists of like, well, what do I want? I know what my problem is. I don't want to write about my problem because that reinforces it. What do I really want if I could do anything and be anything? Um, start looking at getting some help with setting some boundaries in your life and creating a schedule that really supports physical health and mental health. The most important thing you can do is reduce stress in all the different ways because every disease of the mind or the body that doesn't have a definitive cause, like this thing caused it, that's why you have it. And you can take a pill and it will never bother you again. It is now 100% known to be caused by or exacerbated by stress. So stress, sleep is huge. Um, Sleep affects every aspect of your life. Within one day of getting not enough sleep, you can start to have some um, episodes of, of psychotic behavior. And by three days of no sleep at all, you're in full psychosis and People don't always 100% come back from that. So you do really need to focus on sleep. Your nutritional levels are really important, but also find a way to draw closer to God in some way. If it's even God, if you're real, help me to know that you're real. Help me to know you better. Um. You know, your identity is not the struggles that you're going through. Your identity can be a child of God. You're, you are a child of God. Your identity can be in Christ. Your identity can be whoever you decide to, to become and adopt. So I, that's my encouragement for you. Just pay attention to those four areas and that those are the keys. You can do it. I know you can. You can find the help you need. You can receive the help you need from God. You can have find the strength within yourself to make one tiny small change. That's all I did. I made one tiny change and that started the ball rolling for everything else. Mm, wow. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Karen. And where can people find you? You can find me at thebrainretrain.com. You are welcome to email me at drkarenliddell at gmail.com. And that's dr. dot and then my name. 
Um, and you can, uh, those would probably be the best ways. If you want, give me a call. If I don't pick up, I'll call you back. It's 218-220-7267. I guarantee you, I will not pick up after 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I will link all of those things and put all of those things in the description. But I want to thank you so, so much, Dr. Karen, once again for joining me. And everyone stay tuned for more empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rough Edges podcast with Sarah I. Fox. If you want more updates on the podcast, you can follow on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast or you can visit the official podcast website at roughedgespodcast.com. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.